Ladies and gentlemen, today we've got a very exciting podcast. Uh, we've got the um, Chief Economist of BetaShares here with us today, uh, David Bassanis. Uh, thank you for coming on board. Great to be here. Thank you. So um, lots going on in the marketplace at the moment. Lots of, uh, you know, I guess sometimes in some ways, lack of confidence um, leading up to the election. The election now has, has, has passed, but still a... Uh, a bit of an unknown time ahead, a lot of um, uncertainty. Uh, people are, you know, questioning what they should do with their money in all forms of asset classes, equities, property. Um, if we can even uh, talk about crypto, you could say, um, you know, everything's looking quite volatile. Um, so yeah, we'd, we'd, you're the perfect person to, to come on board and have a bit of a, um, a, a chat on, on those topics. Um, so, Firstly, I, I guess you know the volatility that we're seeing in all these asset cl classes. Um, you know, some are blaming interest rates. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's entirely interest rates. W mm. Would you? I, I'd love to know. You know, what, what? You know, why do you see this volatility across all asset classes occurring? Well, I mean, we've had, basically we've had this um, you know very strong economic recovery from COVID. So the world has been enjoying this V-shaped recovery. Um, and probably, and ultimately, we had excess, I think, stimulus, excess monetary and uh, fiscal mm. stimulus, which is added to the rebound. But that, you know, inflation has picked up as a result. Demand is running ahead of supply. Uh, and central, you know, interest rates are a big factor. I mean, the Reserve Bank, uh, the US Central Bank in particular, late last year, uh, after having promised not to raise rates for several years, they had this sort of policy where they're going to keep rates, you know, low for a while. Um, and they thought the inflation they saw last year was largely transitory, quote unquote. Mm. Uh, they changed their mind and said, you know what, it's gonna, it looks like it's going to be hanging around for, for somewhat longer. Uh, and they got very nervous about that feeding through into inflation expectations, given the, the strength of the, the rebound in the economy, uh, the fact that US unemployment is so low. Uh, and so they are now are very, you know, on a very aggressive path of raising interest rates. Now, that's coming at a time where equity valuations, uh, particularly again in the US, were, were, were pretty high. The market at the end of last year had a, a so-called price to earnings ratio of around just over 20 times earnings. Long run average is around about, you know, 15, 16. So, mm. um, so the combination of rates, you know, going up at a time when the valuations were, were a bit vulnerable um, has seen the, the equity market correct. So in the US, for example, all of the correction, in fact, it's the same in Australia, all of the correction in the market has been prices declining relative to earnings. Actual underlying earnings um, it, it, uh, globally are still holding up at, at, at this moment. Um, you know, we'll see how that goes, but uh, that, that's been the situation so far. You've yeah. covered a lot of things there, so I want to just um, <laughs> come, come back and, yep. um, and uh, sort of touch on a few of those those um those topics so um you know firstly uh the the stimulus you know through through COVID which did you know, mm. um lead to that uh, V shape um recovery you know uh the overstimulating you know uh, you know elaborate what you would would, mm. would would mean by that well take the U S for example I mean the the fiscal stimulus was something like twenty percent of GDP. Um, and the U.S., apart from, say, you know, New York and California, basically the way I look at the U.S., they, they, the economy did initially um, have a, you know, nosedive, as did ours, with, it, with the, the major cities going into lockdown back in early 2020. But New York, it was basically New York and California that went into, you know, lockdown 
uh, when COVID first. Thereafter, most of the rest of the country didn't go into lockdown. Mm. And so US got COVID uh, pretty badly, but the uh, actual economy bottomed um, pretty quickly within within uh, two or three months. Um, but because of the yeah, because of you know the central bank had slashed interest rates, everyone were fearful of of um, you know repeat rounds of COVID um, and 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 a very weak economy. And so the U.S. central bank slashed rates, but uh, the the U.S. also you know doled out a lot of money. Uh, and um, for example, the Biden stimulus the, uh, during the election campaign uh, in 2020, he uh, promised this massive uh, fiscal stimulus package. By the time it was delivered in early uh, 21, it wasn't really necessary because mm. the economy was already rebounding. But he went ahead with it anyway, and it sort of, you know, put fuel on the fire, so mm. to speak. So that's why, with hindsight, I think the the stimulus, uh, again, particularly in the US, and and US drives a lot of markets, was uh, was excessive. So, um, and that probably, you know, leads to that um, that that uh, comment you made about transitory inflation. I'm mm. glad you brought that up because. <laughs> It is a hot, hot word that was used a lot in the last sort of um, six to twelve months to justify, you know, yeah. these inflation figures coming out. Mm. Um, a, a lot of people did think it's not accurate inflation. You know, uh, do we still have, you know, supply and demand issues today mm. leading to that in, um, higher inflation? You know, is is mm. is that an argument? Yeah, I mean, I think when we talk about supply chain bottlenecks, people usually think of, uh, you know shutdowns of factories due to COVID and, and an inability to, you know, ship a product uh, to, to various countries like in the United States. So when we think of supply disruption, we think it's like an inability to supply stuff. But in fact, um, the real driver of the supply to demand bottlenecks uh, in the US uh, was just excess demand, you know, very strong demand mm. and supply just not being able to keep up with the demand. Mm. Um, so if you look at things like the uh, the activity through the ports of Los Angeles and, and people cite yeah. these evidence of like the the, um, the long lines of container ships trying to get into the port as a, as a bottleneck. Well, that bottleneck was because demand was so strong. Mm. And it's just they're not used to dealing with that because they had a switch of, again, they had a, two things happen, massive stimulus Secondly, a big switch from services because you know a lot of uh, ho you know travel was shut down, hotels were shut down, and there was a big switch to uh, goods demand, mm. and so the actual you know level of consumer goods demand went went through the roof. So that's ultimately why it persisted for so long because demand was 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 remaining quite strong, which yeah. is is exactly what they wanted to achieve, right? You know, by by mm. um, slashing cash rates globally. You know, consumer spending went through the roof, and mm. and to to your exact point, you know, yes, people weren't traveling and going on holidays and and being able to do what they you know normally do in terms of um, expenditure on, and with their disposable income, but yep. instead they moved to you know shopping online, buying a new TV, you know, um, general household goods, and and you know used um, cars or cars, yeah, used <laughs> and, and and new cars. Um, and that's the that's the sort of um, stimulus in the economy that they wanted to see, right? That mm. was it, it, they, the the plan worked. Yeah, it worked too well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think with that, with hindsight, it worked too well. Um, and you know now they let you know, like in the US, they've got the unemployment rate at three point six percent. So you know one of the low, you know very low level of unemployment, very little spare capacity. Uh, wages growth has picked up in a, in a major way. So you know they have a very red hot economy at the moment. Hence. Um, the pressure on interest rates. So that's a and perfect segue into my next um our next point. You know, um, you know when you say it worked too well and and hence the pressure on interest rates. 
you know, is, is that the reason basically why, you know, there was um, in 2020, 2020 it was, um, they made that commitment when they slashed interest rates that they, we wouldn't see, the, when mm. I say they, the, the yep. RBA and Philip Lowe mm. um, made a commitment that we wouldn't see the cash rate increase till 2024. Mm. It's 2022 and we're <laughs> seeing, we've already seen a, an increase in the that's cash right, rate. That's and, right, that's um, right. Same in, in America as well. So mm. is that um, basically because it worked too well, there's too much spending going on, mm. we've got to slow down what's going on. I, is that necessarily a bad thing? Uh, no, it's not. A, I mean, in the case of Australia, I mean, we don't have uh, the, you know, inflation has clearly picked up in Australia, but the wage inflation story is still a lot more benign than what it is in the United States. So we don't have the inflation concerns to the same degree as the US. The Reserve Bank here is still raising rates, but I think it's a slow process of, you know, what we call renormalizing rates. Mm. So it's, it's not a question of we need to get rates up to slow the economy because we're worried about inflation. It's more that they were at zero because we're in an emergency situation. We're no longer in an emergency situation. The economy is bouncing back quite nicely. No need to keep them at zero. If you keep them at zero or near zero, it, it builds imbalances in the economy. You know, you mm. can lead to a, a, a bubble in property prices, a bubble in the equity market. Mm. And so if the economy... So you need to have a, a normal level of rates, you know, consistent with, with what's happening in the economy. So that's really what's going on in Australia. In the US, it is a little bit different in that they probably, again, as I said, overstimulated. Um, w wage inflation is certainly stronger than, than they would like it to be on a sustainable basis. So they do want to slow that economy uh, down somewhat. And so they are raising rates uh, somewhat more aggressively. But, um, uh, and then, yeah, so. That's also because inflation over there is a lot more aggressive, right? It's, yes. It's, uh, it's almost triple, uh, I believe, right? It's around 8% where. Yeah, so we're headline inflation in Australia is just over five percent, mm. um, five and a half, and uh, core inflation here is about three and a half. Whereas in the US, it's um, it's uh, it's six and a, core inflation is six and a half, and headline is eight and a half. Mm. Um, so it is um, you know notably higher. Mm. So that's why they've got a bit more pressure to increase rates a bit more yeah. aggressively this year, right? So um, and you touched on um. um uh, equities markets in America and, and that, you know, earnings ratio and how things over in America are, might be a little bit, you know, um, more mm. volatile or overvalued um, mm. than, than they are here in Australia purely on, a, on an earnings basis, right? Um, you look at the, the NASDAQ full of all those tech stocks, mm. um, you know, a lot of those companies don't even um, pay, pay a dividend. Um, where here I feel things are a bit more buoyant because, you know, our ASX top 200 are made, made up of good companies paying good profits, right? Mm. And, mm -hmm. you know, through a, a time like now, the next, you know, six to 12 months, because we've already seen a bit of a correction, you know, the last, last um, I was going to say a few weeks, but it's more like a few months. Right? Yeah. Um, we've already seen a bit of a correction in both markets. Mm. You know, I, I think right now is actually a, a good opportunity for some people, both in the um, equities market locally and, and, and overseas, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, to, I mean, what we're seeing, not only is overall equity market, you know, corrected uh, since late mm -hmm. last year, we've had a big correction, particularly in the so-called technology sector. So the, mm. and, the, and um, uh, like the NASDAQ stocks, as you mentioned. So technology, high growth companies are more sensitive to interest rates. So when interest rates go up, um, they tend to fall harder and they benefited a lot from the period, you know, prior to COVID when interest rates were, were very low for a long time. Now, Australia has a technology sector, but it's a smaller share of our market. And meanwhile, we've had commodity prices going up, and so resource companies have done well. So 
technology doing badly, resource companies doing well, th uh, that explains why our market's you know held up relative to say the U.S. market. And you know our market on a PE basis, uh, pr you know a valuation basis, is actually looking uh, pretty good now. It's down around um, you know 15 or so times uh, forward earnings. The U.S. is down around about 17 times e earnings. So. Again, but I guess there is this caveat because we st there's still a risk that the U.S. you know may need to have a harder landing, and the, it's a question of how quickly inflation in the U.S. comes down. Because mm. if it doesn't come down fast enough, the the Federal Reserve over there is, is at least at the moment saying it's going to you know if it if it if it takes a recession to get inflation under control, so be it. That so be it. Yeah. Um, now hopefully that doesn't come to it, but but. I guess that's the only caveat with the markets at the moment. Earnings expectations are still holding up, but again, if we if people start to talk about recession, they will get cut, mm. uh, and valuations which are okay will then fall to cheap levels. You know, that mm. that's when fear takes over from gre uh, greed, mm. and so PE ratios at you know seventeen could easily you know drop to fourteen or twelve, or mm. you know you can get a very cheap market at the moment. And so that's my only caveat at the moment. And we're talking a, a, that could be a, a 40 percent correction. Yeah, so at the moment, the U.S. market's off 20%. That's the S&P 500. And the NASDAQ itself is off 30%, mm. you know, so it's had a bigger correction. But if there was a U.S. recession, you know, historically, the, the average decline has been about 30% for the overall market. And um, and and sometimes a 50% decline is, has happened as well. You know, the dot-com dot crash in 2000, uh, the GFC, obviously, in 08, 09, you, you, we got closer to 45, 50% declines in the market. Mm. So, um, yeah. I yeah. Think, I think here locally we saw our share market um, crash almost 60%, wasn't it? It was like 6,800 points down to 2,800 points or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. it can be um, – can be. Uh, uh, it's also short-lived, mm. though, I feel. Mm. Those those periods, you know, yeah. uh, it took a while for us locally to, to recover to that level, mm. but – it didn't hang down that low for too long. Either. So, like we're, uh, we've already sort of touched on, um, increasing interest rates can, um, you know, have a, a um, range of uh, impacts across across the um, economy. Um, typically, fundamentally, what would you expect, you know, um, in all forms of asset classes for interest rates to actually do? So, you know, some say that um, increasing interest rates actually improve yields on on property for investors. Mm -hmm. um, some say that uh, you know fundamentally uh, interest rates would would um, mean that equities should come off, but have they already come off to, to, to factor in that forecast? You know what's what should we see over the next sort of twelve to twenty four months in this increasing interest rate environment? Yeah, well, I mean, I think generally uh, the increase in rates is going to you know. We're already seeing it, and maybe in the case of equities, we've seen a lot of the adjustment already. But basically, you know, downward pressure on asset valuations. I mean, think about the decade up to COVID. We had, you know, low rates for a long time, and and both property prices went up, equity prices went up, uh, even uh, you know the value of bonds went up, fixed rate bonds when interest rates are declining. So that back up in interest rates, in the same way it led to uh, you know broad based asset price gains. Um, in the period where they were falling and low, as they come up, um, you know, it's putting downward pressure on them. So we're seeing downward pressure on equity valuations um, and potentially on, on earnings if it does result in a, in a substantial slowdown in the US economy. Property prices in Australia, I mean, they're very uh, tied to, to, to interest rates. So I would expect, um, you know, property prices to come off somewhat uh, uh, in Australia over the next year or two. Um, 
some, you know, you'll always get some that, that talk about, you know, property crash, but historically, you know, five to 10% uh, nationwide, uh, a pullback in prices um, we've seen already in the past when rates go up. And so I'd anticipate something like that as well. Um, look, the good news is that the, the you know, well, the good news is that it will, as prices come off, and uh, it does improve the the yield. So, um, people were bemoaning the fact that you know the yield returns on many assets were very low um, for a long time, but um, we are starting to get value returning. So, you know, yields on property uh, should improve um, again, commensurate with the increase in interest rates. Uh, the yields on um, uh, even fixed rate bonds, you know, uh, many people, mm. you know, like, like in a diversified portfolio, you have both equities typically and you have um, have bonds and then bonds were offering very little return for, mm. for many years. Now the return on those is starting to improve. And especially retirees and less risk averse um, uh, investors look at those types of investments, right? Yes. Um, so I'm glad you clarified somewhat with a, a, a 5 to 10% <laughs> range because um, I think people do get carried away with, um, you know, a, a property market correction and, you know, words like somewhat to be um, more like, you know, are we going to see 20 or 30%, you mm. know, historically in, in the GFC, I think we saw in Sydney, the property market came off 7%, which is, mm. you know, to, to your exact point, that 5 mm. to 10% range, which is a, which is a decent correction, right? Mm. That's, you know, 5 to 10% is, is, is a correction as such. And, mm. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's an argument to say we've already seen that correction in in some marketplaces. Um, look, I think, you know, at the moment, given the economy has, uh, is pretty strong, I mean, companies are demonstrating uh, a pricing power. So in a way, you know, people argue that uh, equities are actually not a bad hedge uh, in, in an inflationary environment because, yeah, prices, you know, costs have gone up, but they've been able to pass on those costs uh, through to prices. So the, the you know, the, the, so that the high, you know, the pickup in inflation we're seeing is, is evidence that businesses have been able to pass on those costs and preserve their mm. preserve their profits, um, both in Australia uh, and in the United States. So, the ability to pass on those costs increases, yes, is good um, for for those businesses. I guess you know, ultimately, you know, in aggregate, if it does mean that inflation stays, you know, too high, then you know, it makes the central banks more likely to want to raise rates and sort of slow things down so they can't keep doing that. Um, but, um, but, but uh, you know, at the moment, they, yeah, they, they've, I guess they've been benefiting from that. Mm. And there's a bit mm. of a lag for this, um, for the increased interest rates to actually take effect into decreased inflation, right? Like we're not mm. going to see inflation mm. start to ease straight away from, from this increase 
interest rate environment, are we? Uh, no, it'll take a look. Again, we're still dealing with uh, an imbalance of demand versus supply. Um, so, it'll, you know, we're not looking to slow our demand all that much. Um, uh, so it, it'll, it'll be a slow process. In the U.S., again, I think the U.S. would like to get inflation down quickly, but I think uh, uh, it's going to be, you know, a bit, bit, be somewhat slow as well, unless they, you know, really try to engineer a hard landing uh, very quickly. But um, yeah. You've used those words, hard landing, a couple of times. So, so when you say engineer a hard landing, are we talking, are they going to start um, moving in increments of 50 basis points? Is that what you, you're referring to? Uh, yeah, so they've raised rates uh, 50 points. Um, uh, I think they're going to raise rates by 50 points in June. Uh, I think they're on, on, on track to do that. And, and, and potentially also in July by 50 points. The mm. So the Federal Reserve over there is quite aggressive at mm. the moment. Now, Again, I think what they'll do is they maybe raise rates uh, aggressively in the short run, and then sit back and just you know pause for a little bit just to see how that how how that affects the economy. So, because as, as you mentioned, you know, interest rates operate on the economy with a lag. So, if you really hit it, you know, double barrel with a couple of big rate increases, you do want to at least then pause and see if it has an impact. Otherwise, you risk you know doing too much too quickly. But see that you know that leads into my um, perfect next question once again. Great segue, but just uh, just mm. touching on that. When they've got to sort mm. of sit back and see if it's um, having a, a, mm. a, an effect, you know, how quickly can these incre each increase have an effect? Well, they have effects on different. Like we're seeing in the housing market in Australia already, you know, auction clearance rates in Sydney have come off, mm, right? Definitely. So almost an immediate impact. In t and you know, we went, we talk about five to ten percent correction in prices. I mean, wouldn't surprise me if the you know you've already seen an element of that already and mm. what people are expecting to sell their properties. You know, the mm. psychology of the market, I think, has already changed somewhat. Um, See, those, those words are, are also perfect. Psychology of the market, I feel like, is what's, what's mm. actually the bigger impact right now. It's the yeah. lack of confidence and, and the uncertainty in the marketplace mm. rather than, you know, an economic economic factor in the sense that it's not like people are financially hurting right now they're just mm. lacking confidence which yeah. equals a, a decrease in price right yeah yeah exactly so yeah so so in terms of things like auction clearance rates in in um in cities like sydney and melbourne and you almost see an immediate impact um you're seeing an impact on consumer confidence that's already come off uh but spending itself is still holding up pretty well so consumer spending's holding up uh, I guess the other area you'll see an impact is that, you know, you mentioned housing. So at the margin, you know, housing demand uh, may, may come off somewhat. And that's sort of how, you know, then feeds through to the rest of the economy. Mm. Mm. So um, the segue leading, leading perfectly into um, my next question was um, the forecast of rates. This is the, mm. this is the, um, the million dollar question everybody's yeah. asking about. I think all the economists of all the banks have... Um, have come out and and put their sort of two cents in what they mm. think that they um, things are going to look like in, in the next yeah. two years. But you know, uh, some economists have been changing their forecast three three to four months later, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what's what's your personal opinion? We're not going to hold you to it. Um, <laughs> but you know, how much of an increase do you think we'll see here locally and 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 maybe offshore? If you want to really yeah. um, shoot for the stars on that forecast. Yeah, so I mean, I think many economists are united in the view that what the markets are pricing in is, is seems to be too excessive. So we've got the mm. if you look at the the financial markets in Australia, the the the, 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 the there is a there's a market that actually predicts you know prices in what the market expects sent the Reserve Bank to do to the cash rate, and the market expects the cash rate to go up to about three three and a half percent. 
at the end of 23. Um, now, for the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah. Which I think is, um, and just to put, if, if the mortgage rate in Australia would go up by 3%, um, the housing affordability, by my estimates, would be the worst, you know, in record. You know, mm. worst in, in 20, 30, at least since I've done housing affordability estimates going back to the early 90s. So that that would that would have a pretty material impact on the economy. Um, and and one thing that I, I that I don't think the Reserve Bank would necessarily need to achieve. So mm. as a result, I, I, I don't see them going that aggressive. I see them raising rates, you know, possibly to 2%. Um, but but about 1.75 is two is my sort of yep. target. This is um, this is 1.75 to two within the next sort of 12 to 18 months yes. up to the end of 2023. Yes. I'm yep. glad you highlighted the you know the um, market mm. expectation might be different from what realistically happens because that, that's been yes. spoken about a lot at the moment, and mm. I think that comes into um, you know the, the the cost of bonds and bank funding for short term sort of uh, fixed rate loans and whatnot. Right, um, we're seeing two to three year um, Fixed rates on, mm. on on home loans at like four and a half percent now mm. um, already, yeah. where yeah. the variables will only you know yes. call it two and a half percent a decent variable rate at the moment, and it seems like it's 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 pricing in uh, a an end rate that mm. the variable might not even get to in that in that um, yeah. in that fixed period. So that, that's that's relating to that that market pricing, right? That's right. I mean, the way the obviously the way fixed mortgage rates go is they are priced off the what long like medium term bond yields are doing. Mm. So if the market is pricing in aggressive interest rate increases over the next one to two years, that's priced into the into you know the bond market where the where banks need to go and borrow money. So the so the cost of three year, if you're offering a three year mortgage fixed mortgage rate, you've got to go and borrow for three years, mm. and that the rate at which you need to borrow as a bank is going to be based on what the markets are pricing in for interest rates over that period. Mm, the ship, so, yeah, mm. so if the market's pricing in aggressive rate rises, you're going to have to pay more for your three-year money mm. and in, and hence charge more for your three-year mortgage rate. So bottom line of that is that if you think the markets are too aggressive in what they expect over the next few years, it maybe doesn't pay to, to fix rates and vice versa. If you think mm. there's going to be a lot more to come than what the market's expecting, then you'd want to lock in a good rate now. Mm, that's, a, that's a great sort of conclusion summary to that point. I think the, mm. the, the, the um, situation we're in right now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, mm. just interpreting your, your opinion there, yeah. is that the short-term money is, is, is quite expensive, which goes into the short-term fixed rates, which mm. it, it's just not, might not be a value right now. I, I, yeah, again, I, yeah, I think the, the, on, on the view that Reserve Bank won't need to raise rates to 3 3.5%, then, and that's priced into the market, then those fixed rates are looking a little bit expensive. So we're talking also, um, everything we've just spoken mm. about is, is a, in my opinion, a short-term um, view, right? Um, mm. We're talking between now and end of 2023. What mm. about um, you know, beyond that? Because some of these forecasts go to you know, 2024. Are, are we going to see... You know, beyond that point, it's gonna, is it going to keep going or is it, is it too hard to, to, to um, forecast? We have to see what, to your point, see what mm. happens over the, the um, next 18 months with these increases because they might, mm. they might mm. work. They might ease inflation and, and, yeah. and the music keeps playing. Yeah, well, I mean, the Reserve Bank, so we're interested, I mean, just for the record, I mean, the Reserve Bank are, are saying that they think neutral, like the neutral average long run uh, cash rate is about 2.5%. Mm. Um, so that and that implies like a real after inflation rate of zero. So it's certainly come down. You know, ten years ago we thought a neutral cash rate in Australia was about four and a half five percent. So we've come all the way down to two and a half. So, 
that's where they would see it. But I mean, I think many economists, myself included, probably think neutral is, is closer to two, just given the level of debt levels mm. now. So my, you know, beyond the next two years, you, 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 you basically have to assume rates sort of normalise at what you think the normal long run level would be. And that's why I've got it going to, going to two. Um, you know, depending, of course, well then what happens to the economy thereafter, um, it could go higher or lower than that. But I, my personal view is that the, you know, we, globally we're in a, we're st despite the fact that inflation's picked up at the moment, it is due to this supply-demand imbalance due to, to COVID and excess of stimulus. As that sort of settles down, um, inflation will drop back down to pretty low sustainable levels. And it's basically because of, you know, globalisation hasn't gone away. Global pressure on, on, on uh, competition, uh, tech disruption hasn't gone away. So these sort of things are putting downward pressure on inflation prior to COVID uh, will reassert themselves and keep inflation down, uh, which in turn means that interest rates will s probably stay relatively low as well. Mm. And we do have sort of, even with an increase, relatively low interest rates compared to the last sort of 10, 15 years, even 20 years, right? So mm. um, I, I feel like we might have already answered this question. Um, but, you know, I guess in a, in a short version, mm. you, know, um, you know, as you know, we're, we're a, a finance business with both um, uh, home mortgage brokers and, and financial planners. Most of our clients are, are you know, mums and dads or owner occupiers, first home buyers or investors. You know, um, we've been talking about uh, on the bigger scale what's happening um, globally. But if we bring it down to, to them, you know, how would you say that all, all, all these things we're speaking about with interest, interest rates increasing, how would they affect them and, and, and those particular individuals as such? Um, well, I mean, look, I, I think, you know, when we ha had interest rates uh, at really low levels during COVID, and everyone was saying don't rely on them staying this low mm. forever. Um, so, you know, we are getting a, a renormalization of rates um, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a disaster. It's just, again, I think the way to think about it in Australia is that it's going back up to a more normal level um, from the emergency levels we had at COVID, but they're not intended to slow the economy or push it into recession. Mm. Um, and so, look, so, I mean, I think, you know, the, the rate rises we're going to get are going to be fairly moderate and, and, and should be, you know, well absorbed by most households. There's always going to be a few... And they're the ones you typically see on current affair or the news sort of, yeah, you know, saying, oh, uh, you know, if they raise rate, you know, there's already been news stories saying, if, oh, if they raise rates, I, I won't be able to afford my mortgage. It's like, well, you know, how did you get that mortgage in the first place if you can't? Yeah, there's, a, there's a buffer already factored yeah, in. Yeah, there should be a buffer factored in. So um, I think that's the main message there is um, we're in a pretty good position in Australia. I think inflation is still... Uh, broadly speaking, likely to be contained, and the lift in rates uh, should be contained. So households, you feel, can can wear the brunt, and mm. um, I'm glad you said that because I, I personally agree. Um, and I, I think there was, um, you know, uh, some data that I read on. It was either CoreLogic mm. or, or um, RP data about. Um, definitely wasn't RP data. I think it was CoreLogic about mm. uh, household uh, savings. Um, mm through COVID, through those yeah. that uh, uh, emergency interest rate environment, I think you referred to it as, yeah. that um, we actually, a lot of people managed to, to, to save up a lot through mm. um, through COVID. And I know I, I was um, speaking to the, the CEO of NAB uh, a, a few weeks ago, maybe a, a month or two ago now, and um, he was telling me that, um, you know, a big portion of, of NAB's uh, uh, money they lend out for home loans, I think mm. it was close to the figure of 70%, 
uh, mm. is money that they have in their own um, uh, uh, deposits and, and accounts mm. in their in their transactional accounts and savings accounts and whatnot, and um, and half of it is floating around in, in, in also you know transaction and business accounts. So it sounds like people are quite cash rich going into this climate as well, mm. right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the household savings rate in Australia, um, and we, we, you know, there's an estimate of that in the that, that comes out quarterly in the national accounts is 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 still at quite high levels. So we got again, we got a lot of um, two things. We got a lot of um, you know, I guess fiscal stimulus or or, or, or um, government uh, support, um, and we've been constrained in our ability to spend it on holidays and and you know, up until recently at least. So it's led to this cash buffer. But perhaps even more importantly, if you actually look at the home loan numbers, um, you know, many, many households are like well ahead on their payments, you know, so they've actually, you know, paid more down on their mortgage mm. than they, they need. So, I mean, if they wanted to, they could probably, you know, um, readjust, readjust their, their mm. na- readjust, but um, prepayments are up. Yeah, but mm. but the, I guess the other point is that I think the Reserve Bank's done some analysis of of the burden of say a two hundred. Let's say the rates go up by two hundred points, um, something like what you know. I think it's maybe one in you know twenty percent of households will face a thirty percent increase in their mortgage repayments, mm-hmm. which is pretty significant for for, for that. But seventy percent won't, so it'll be less than a thirty percent uh, increase. Um, and so, yeah, so overall they think it's, you know, that should still be manageable, although there will be pockets of, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, pockets of pain, I guess, for those that have really gone over their heads. Yeah, because bear in mind, a lot of them, um, I think that 70% probably refers to people that might have owned property pre-COVID and, mm. you know, their repayments would not have decreased unless they requested to do so in, in a decreasing interest rate environment. They yeah. just would have been paying more off their home yeah. loan, which is that prepayment yes. figure whatnot. So. Yeah. They've had a 30% decrease in interest, you know, uh, or more, sorry, I'd yeah. say, in, in the last sort of year or so, and, and they're just soaking that back up, really. Yeah. Um, just leading on from that question, you know, the average household right now is is in a, a fairly good shape post the, the last two years of lower interest rates and, and whatnot. Um, you know, we've, we've got uh, mortgage arrears at, at record lows. Um, mm. We've got unemployment, you know, at, at, at record low or, you know, easing, yes. easing to there. Um, you know, what, what would you say about the average household right now, you know, financially and, and, and the position of the economy as such? Uh, look, pretty well placed. I mean, yeah, so we, we came through COVID better than many countries. Obviously, the, we, we, we had an advantage. We, we dealt with COVID pretty well. So if you look at like the death rate per capita, t- sorry to talk about death, but, you know, the death rate per capita with COVID was, was pretty low by by mm. s- you know US, U.S. and European standards, but it didn't actually hurt our economy either. So we, because we were able to, bl- bl- you know, close the international borders, activity within the country uh, was m- more or less able to, uh, you know, Continue. keep keep going. You know, mm. albeit you know different states had lockdowns at different times, uh, particularly in Victoria. But so we're coming out of that now. As I said you mentioned unemployment rate is at three point nine percent. There's the household savings rates are at pretty high levels, so they're sort of cashed up. Um, they are now going to have to deal with a, you know, what I think would be a moderate r- rise in interest rates, um, but you know that was always, you know, going to be on the cards. It's the price of, you know, dealing, you know, ca- uh, dealing with a recovery. So we, I think overall households are pretty, uh, pretty well placed, um, uh, you know, to deal with the deal with the lift in rates. And and the the um, there was some wage growth data that came mm. out last week, I think mm. on Wednesday, and yeah. I think we we are starting to see some wage growth, which mm. was a 
a, a focus in the past. Um, yep. I personally think sometimes that wage growth data might not be entirely accurate because um, yeah. I don't think it factors in, you know, people moving from uh, POIG to, to, to self-employed contractors, which all these WeWork spaces and, and office sharing environments are, are full of those sort of self-employed contractors, right? right? Um, yep. So, you know, wh wh how do you feel about sort of um, wage growth and the overall economy in that, in that aspect? Yeah, so wages growth, look, uh, according to the official data, is picking up. It's been, a, I guess, a glacial improvement, I, I would call it. So mm. yeah, the annual growth number that you mentioned uh, had uh, wage inflation going up to about 2 to 2.5%. Now, during COVID, it got as low as 1. You know, 1.7 or, or certainly under 2. So it's, it's picked up. The Reserve Bank actually would like to – the Reserve Bank thinks aggregate wage inflation – could be sustained at three to three and a half percent because mm. if you think about it, you know, their target is inflation at two to three, so the midpoint of two. If you allow for sort of productivity growth in the economy, if wages are growing at three percent but you're getting productivity of one, then sustainable, it's consistent with inflation in the long run at about two and a half. So wages are still lower than they could be, and I think they're moving in the right direction. Um, but yeah, so it's it's I think it's premature, at least on the on those numbers, to get overly worried about it from an inflation perspective. Uh, but it is yeah, so it is encouraged that it's moving in the right direction. I think it will continue uh, continue to pick up. But as you point out, like uh, there are structural changes going on in the labour market, so maybe the the official numbers don't fully reflect what's going on. Um, and another example is that some people are uh, maybe getting um, you know. Their, their job classification may be upgraded. So they're getting a pay rise, but if it's defined as a, as a, as a more you know, senior role, the way the wage numbers are calculated won't count as a wage rise. Um, mm. So, there's a, so the, you know, maybe to some extent the official numbers are understating the, the, the growth that they're getting. Yeah, I definitely also witnessed that in our business here with all our mm. clients. There's definitely sort of wage growth in their businesses. Mm -hmm. um, so we um, just going back, uh, I guess, a couple of conversations, we... We um we touched on you know the fact that you know uh, governments around the world mm. in in particular Australia and the US will have to increase interest rates in order to, to ease inflation um, and if that means a a, a recession um, mm. so, you know the words were so be it basically um, and if we're in a recession you know uh, it, what's what's going to change is interest rates going to start decreasing are they going to plateau what's what will actually change in that environment? Because I feel that's just some definition of, you know, uh, I think is it two quarters of, of negative growth, right? Is it mm. is it anything anything sort of out of the ordinary in the current direction we're already going? Uh, well, so in the case of the, well, again, I don't think a recession is, is likely in Australia. I don't think we'll need to go into recession, but because, I mean, we've still got inflation and particularly wage inflation still, still under control. Uh, but in the US, things are a lot hotter. And so that's where I think the main, the main risk is. I mean, in terms of the share market, I mean, people often say if uh, you know if Wall Street sneezes, we catch cold. So if we avoid a recession, but the U.S. goes in a recession and their share market falls a lot lower, our market will probably also fall, but not as much. Mm. I mean, we might outperform, but it doesn't mean our market will be immune to the the downshaft from the U.S. Um, but will interest look? I think you know if if it turns out that U.S. inflation is stubbornly high. And they really have to really, you know, crunch the economy to get to get demand down to get inflation under control. Then they'll probably keep rates, you know, somewhat high going into that downturn. But as things clearly start to turn down and inflation comes down, 
um, depending on where they've put interest rates, then they'll, they'll, they'll cut rates again. So, you know, interest rates will obviously come back down again. So it's a question of, you know, getting on top of the uh, inflation, which means getting on top of, uh, you know, runaway demand at the moment. Um, and it really just depends on how quickly, um, how quickly, you know, they, they, how quickly inflation can come down at the moment. Because, um, again, there's still a chance that the U.S. inflation numbers do start to come down even before the economy slows that much. And if goods, you know, demand shifts back to services and the uh, prices of a lot of goods uh, that were bid up starts to come down, um, wages growth starts to moderate, um, then, um, you know, they could have, you know, they, what I call a soft landing. You know, we could get a soft landing rather than a hard landing. So, um, um so it, it's sort of, you know, at the moment, very dependent on the course of inflation in the US. What, mm. what course of what actually happens mm. with the, the current parts and um, uh, mm. wheels they're moving, you could say. So um, now my, my next question, um, you know, we're, we're not going to um, start talking deep politics here, but, you know, the election has mm. definitely been a hot topic also mm. recently and something in, in mm. which has probably taken away some, some confidence and added to that uncertainty in the marketplace, especially from a... A property mm. point of view, because yeah. um, a lot of people were concerned if there was a change in, in in government, which we have now seen, is um, are we going to lose things like negative gearing and, and capital mm. gains tax discounts and exemptions? Um, mm. You know, uh, the Labor Party did come out and uh, make some comments about those views pre-election, which were mm. differing from their comments uh, three years ago. Um, you know, we haven't seen a change in government in a, in a while. Mm. Uh, um, so, you know, what, what would you expect, you know, from this um, change in government and, and how this might impact everything we've just been speaking about? Look, uh, the, unlike the Labor Party in the previous election, this, this you know, they, they ran a small target strategy, right? They didn't have a lot of, um, uh, you know, tax changes um, that to, to, bring to the, uh, bring to the table this time around. So mm. the changes to negative gearing, Changes to capital gains tax. Um, I think they realised that shot them in the foot yeah, last time. So that probably did, you know, with hindsight, cost them the election. Cost Bill shortened the prime ministership effectively. Mm. Um, so look, not a lot of changes on the tax front. So again, property owners, I wouldn't be too worried about the change in government. Uh, the government is not proposing any any, any major changes in, in that regard. In fact, and broadly speaking, apart from saying the area of climate change, where they are going to you know, focus, focus, um, most of the major economic policies, you know, are going to be, you know, remain in place. There's no sort of major tax changes or, uh, or welfare changes on the table. So you're not, not too concerned about any, anything outside of the climate change policies, which I think the, the climate mm. change policies are, are, are rightly so. Um, yeah. So apart from that, anything else you think um, that the show goes on as such? Yeah, I mean, they have, look, they have talked about, there was the, the one issue the um, the gov the government's had a tax to GDP uh, cap. I think it's something just over twenty three percent of GDP, and they've they've always had that in the budget. There was a comment where the now treasurer had said, "Well, they're not going to be beholden to that tax cap," and there was a bit of a you know scare campaign about Labor raising taxes. So you know potentially may they may look to raise taxes in the next few years um, to to help rein in the budget deficit, which is still quite large. Um, they haven't announced where, where the, you know, where the, where that would be, but I mean that's potentially one difference in that Labor may be more likely to try to raise taxes, maybe on high income earners or you know on property, 
Um, we'll have to wait and see, but they certainly have made no announcements at, at this stage. Well, and I think there's probably a bit more pressure on them to do so, right, given you know what our government needed to do for the last two years to get us through through COVID, mm. right? Um, you know, I, I, that's once again a great segue into my, my next question. Mm. You know, outside interest rates to, to you know um, to control the economy and, and, direct, uh, and mm. direct it in the way they they want in terms of inflation and whatnot. What other levers you know do um, the does the, the the government have to, to you know sustain growth in the economy? What what other parts can they can they pull? What other strings can they pull as such? To um, to you know um, manipulate things to, to get us out of a, a, a drastic uh, situation or you know ease the deficit and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, so the government obviously can raise taxes, it can cut spending. So as we saw during COVID, it can uh, quite effectively stimulate the economy by you know giving tax handouts, income support to households, um, spending. You know, the builders, you know, the builders incentive where uh, people if they wanted to build a home got. I think $25,000 at one point. Mm. And so that really put a rocket under housing activity for, um, uh, for, for quite some time. So fiscal policy is, you know, is quite potent and it can work in both directions. So at the moment, the, I guess the argument at the moment is there's no real case for massive fiscal stimulus. We had that you know, during COVID. If anything, there's a case now for reining in some of that stimulus, mm -hmm. like to arguably you know, raise taxes or, or cut spending in certain areas in an environment where you know, the... Um, the economy is pretty strong. The Reserve Bank's raising rates. I don't think the Reserve Bank, you know, it's not a question of like doing it so that to stop the Reserve Bank raising rates because you don't want to like, interest. when interest rates are at zero, they've got to go back to normal. So it's not mm. a question of like, um, let's make fiscal policy do all the adjustment and, and keep rates at zero. It's, you, know, you need to be better balanced at the We're moment. We're normalising things. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of different levers. They at the moment, I think, you know, the I guess the bigger task for policy over the next few years is that to pay for COVID, we've got a, a deficit that is still going to remain in place for at least a decade or so. Um, and, you know, at some point they may, you know, decide to, um, you know, tighten policy. Uh, either cut spending in in certain areas or or raise taxation. Mm. So when you say raise taxation, you've, you've already mentioned you know high income earners, um, property mm. tax. Is there anything else we might expect to see? We 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 see an increase in GST potentially. Yeah, I mean this is the problem. I mean it's very hard to see where they can. I mean I hate you know high income earners sort of get it. You know they they cop it at the moment because mm. no one has any sympathy for them. So the mm. you know the top marginal tax rate in Australia is fifty percent, right? Mm. So I mean if you're lucky enough to be in that in that bracket, fantastic. But you know fifty percent of every marginal dollar it goes in tax, mm. which is quite high by global standards. Um, now corporate tax is you know is already quite low, so they you know they've already cut corporate tax so it'd be hard for them to raise corporate taxes because they are you've got to compete with you know what's going on globally um gst is very very hard to raise you know there'd be absolute certainly for a labor party to try to raise the gfc would be hard because it would seem to be affecting you know those on lower incomes mm. uh, uh, particularly uh are worse so they'd be more inclined to raise to the extent they can you know look again maybe at some of the things that they they wanted they proposed last time around like negative gearing um capital gains tax um those might be the sort of more uh, the areas that label but even that is hard so mm. any tax increases in australia very very politically hard to to achieve mm. there is an argument i did hear um from uh, a uh, high up accounting uh, professional a partner in a big firm i won't name what firm mm. but um mm. he, he was quite adamant that um that uh 
capital gains tax discounts and exemptions will will go um and keyword mm. exemptions meaning that your primary residence will be mm. uh, potentially taxed because you know he believes that there's an argument to say that you know people um that make money on on the economy in terms of their pr property growth you know they, they should be taxed on, on the property growth um mm. which i understand that argument yep. um you know um there's there's also the um going back to to uh, corporate tax and other um uh, taxes that have changed. I think we saw what the corporate tax only decrease recently, right? Um, yeah, in, that was in the, 25. Yeah. yeah, in the last budget. Um, mm. So it would be drastic for them to, you know, to start changing things that have already been changed recently for the better of the economy, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, one area, like take uh, property investment, for example. I mean, they could, um, you know, limit the degree of deductions you can get. You know, like some people have, you know, five to ten investment properties and they might you know, rein that in and say, you know, you can make a deduction for, for two properties or three properties mm. or, you know, there's various, you don't have to like get rid of everything. You could maybe just trim it at the margin. Um, but, you know, even that would be, you know, I could imagine there'd be a big backlash against um, taxing people on, you know, that they've, they've engaged in a certain activity on a basis of a certain tax system and then the tax system changes, they would argue, well, that's unfair, but... Um, That's why they might grandfather a lot of these yes, things, right? It's a bit yes, like um, the yeah. the talk about with the state government and stamp duty, right? Um, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that for for a few years, but we haven't seen <laughs> anything actually change. But once again, you know, they they can't make it retrospectively. They'd have to make it from a certain date moving forward. Yeah, well, even another thing like capital, you know, inheritance tax, or, or you know, what we call you know death tax. Some people call it death taxes. So. You know, we many countries have uh, taxes on on inheritances. Yeah, like the UK, uh, right? Yeah, and uh, even in the US. And the US. Uh, and we don't. Mm. Um, now, why, why? You know, I think there's a valid case to say we we we, we should. You mm. know, beyond a certain am amount of money. Um, but again, it's what it, it, we used to have one. It got it got removed, I think, under the Fraser government many many years ago. And once it's been removed, it's very, very hard to put it back on again. Mm, this is a hot topic, actually. So, <laughs> and uh, elaborate. Uh, I think w what is it in the UK and the US? It's is it? Uh, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure of the tax rate, to be honest. But I know they. they it's they significant. Have yeah. Yeah, and they they really um, mm. sort of uh, tie you up to make sure you can't sort of get out of it, get out of it in a, in a year's prior by mm. by transferring. I think more than thirty thousand dollars a year. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's taxed at, uh, at a certain rate. Um, so, look, I, I guess that uh, pretty much, um, you know, wraps up our conversation today. So um, I'd like to, to really thank you for, for coming in, David. No worries. It's been a, um, a great, great session. Um, hopefully we can we can do this again. And um, I'm sure our listeners will, will find some great value over everything that we've, we've covered. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye for now.